I am so excited to be able to jump in on this series about um, questions, asking for a friend, a friend, what's it, what's, what are we doing? See, there you go. Asking for a friend, which connects with Alpha, which we're doing through the midweek, and we've dealt with questions like, what's, what's life all about? What's purpose? Who's Jesus? What about faith? Last week, prayer. This week, how does God guide us? Any directionally challenged people here today? You got any of that? I'm usually okay with directions until I go like to a Suns game and I come out of the, the top of the parking garage and you go around and around and around and you honk and you yell at a bunch of people and then you come down the, to the street and I, I, I have no which way, I don't know which way to go. I, so I wander around downtown trying to figure out the difference between avenues and streets and I, I finally get there. Here's a little snippet from the Alpha video that will be shown in its entirety on Wednesday, but catch a glimpse of this. I'm not very good at following directions. I'm always getting lost. So I find using a map really helpful. So every time I go the wrong way, it just keeps rerouting me. And it's infinitely patient. It just carries on finding a different way. Now obviously you can switch it off, you can ignore it, but if you follow it, generally you'll have a much more enjoyable journey. And it's a bit like that with God. Obviously the analogy breaks down because we're not dealing with a device, we're dealing with a person who loves us. This is a relationship with God. And he has a purpose for you, and he's infinitely patient. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. How in practice does God guide us? Well, it's a relationship, and he speaks to us. But how do we hear his voice? I found in practice there are five main ways in which God speaks to us. Sometimes it's just one of these ways. Sometimes for a very big decision, it might be all five. Wouldn't you like to know what all five of those are? <laughs> Come Wednesday night and you'll find out. Because today I'm only dealing with one. But it's a big one. And it's one that I think is very practical for us. Because here, here's my concern. The makeup of our church, the people that you are, I'm not worried about you all just aimlessly wandering through life, not knowing where you're going, not what you're going to do, and just circling the, the wagons. Here's my concern for you. You are achievers. You're high achievers. You're overachievers. And so you climb the ladder, and 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 you sacrifice. You you financially you're involved, your talents, your education all comes together and you climb. Maybe even your family starts to feel the, the brunt of it and you climb and you climb and some of you have got there, some of you are on your way, you're going to get to the top of that ladder. And what concerns me is you just might find that the ladder was against the wrong wall the whole time. And then you're going to be like Solomon who had everything who was king, who accomplished it all. And toward the end of his life, he just said, vanity, 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 it's all vanity. It's all empty. It's all worthless. It's for nothing. So how do we keep from that happening? Well, I think God wants to guide us. 
He wants to lead us. Not only into eternity, into what eternal life is all about, he wants to guide us and lead us into the best possible life to live here on earth. And he has a way of doing that. There's five of them. We're gonna talk about one, which is the word of God. It's the Bible. In fact, it's the kingpin of all the rest of the five. And it's, it's, uh, it's something that, that I wanna call your attention to. So we're gonna have some scriptures on the screen, but if you wanna follow along in your Bible or on your device, I wanna call your attention to Joshua, the first chapter. And uh, you, you remember Joshua? Joshua's the guy who has a, a lump in his throat, uh, beads of sweat starting to accumulate on his forehead and drip down into his eyes and his temple, and, and he, uh, he hears an amen to a prayer that's being prayed, and then the whole nation of Israel turns and looks at him. And all of a sudden, the weight of all the responsibility that he's gonna deal with just crashes in on him. And he's going, oh my. Right before him was a guy named Moses, arguably one of the greatest leaders in all of history, certainly one of the greatest leaders in the history of Israel. Moses was the guy who looked at Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And on they went on this journey through the wilderness, and he parts the Red Sea, and he calls food down from heaven when they were starving, water out of a rock. He brings them right to the precip of the promised land, the place they've always dreamed of, and, and, and the place that would be freedom for them, and, and the place that they just couldn't wait to get into, and then all of a sudden, he's done. Moses died. And they have a, a funeral and the whole nation gathers to mourn. And they go through the funeral service, and when it's all over, they pray. They say amen. They look at Joshua and go, Joshua, it's up to you now, buddy. It's up to you. How do you think Joshua felt? Following Moses. Oh, my goodness. How do you, how do, you do that? How do you keep that up? Well... He's going, ah, God, you were with Moses. I wonder what you're going to do to guide me and lead me that I might help lead these people. You've done some pretty spectacular things with Moses. Remember when Moses was kind of feeling like, oh, I'm not sure I'm up for this task? God said, not only am I with you, let me give you some, let me give you some help here. What's that in your hand? It's my walking stick. Throw it on the ground. On the ground it goes, becomes a snake. And I love this. God says, pick it up. <laughs> so I, in my mind, it's kind of a cross between Charlton Hessen and Steve Irvin. As he, as he gets that, that snake and he picks it up and he has it back in his hand again as a staff. God says, that's going to now be known as the rod of God. And it will remind you of the power and the sovereignty of God as long as you lead these people. I'm with you. Well, that's not bad. Got anything else for me, God? Well, take your hand, stick it inside your robe, and pull it out again. Sticks it in there, pulls it out. It becomes bright white, white as leprosy, it, which is pretty amazing for a dark-skinned Middle Eastern guy. All of a sudden, this bright hand, 
puts it back in, it's back to normal again. I wonder how many times he kept doing to check that. I wonder at night if it glowed, you know, kind of. And we never hear anything about how he uses that or if he uses it. Maybe it was just for him. Maybe at night when he's asleep in his tent and he's going, I don't know that I'm up for this. I don't know, God, I don't think you picked the right person. I don't know which direction to go. I don't know how to handle all the challenges. I, God, are you even there with me anymore? Are you with us? Are you answering any prayer? Who are you, God? What? Oh, yeah. I'm good. It's still working. God's still here. God's still. Wouldn't you love to have a little something in your pocket just to remind you, hey, God's got this? I'm good. <laughs> as he goes through that, he has to be reminded that as, as God was with Moses, he was with Joshua. That first chapter is interesting because God lays out his promise to him and that plan and says, it's no ifs, ands, and buts. You guys are going to the promised land. That's a done deal. And he gives the boundaries of the rivers on one side and the ocean on the west and to the north and the south. And he says, everywhere you set your foot will be yours. No one will be able to stand up against you. I mean, the plans and the promises he gives. And then he says, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. What I love about this with his unbelievable plan and promise that God gives him, he still says this, you're gonna to need to be strong and courageous. In fact, you're gonna need to be very courageous, very strong and very courageous because it doesn't matter how God guides and leads, it doesn't matter what his plan for you and his promises for you, life's not always easy. And sometimes it's not going to get easier for a while. You have to be strong. Be courageous to walk in, in faith of what God is going to do. And then he says this, verse 7, be strong, be very courageous. Okay, I'm ready, God. What are you going to give me? What are you going to give me? God says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may succeed wherever you go. And then verse eight, the scripture I want you to really hang on to. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now if I'm Joshua, I'm going, God, you... You're amazing. I mean, you brought us here. You've done some unbelievable things with us. But frankly, God, I feel a little shorted. I think I'm on the, the wrong end of this one. Moses gets all these wow things. Snake, staff, glowing hand. I get the Bible? I get the word of God? Really? That's the best you can do? The Word of God. God says, yeah, that's pretty much all you're going to need. Let me, God, there's a river over there. It's at flood stage. I have to lead over a million people through that river. 
God says, ooh, yeah. I know what I'll do. I'll give you the word of God. Well, what we got? There's, there's armed forces, sophisticated weaponry, strategically placed all through that area. There's, a, there's this fortress city called Jericho with the army up on the parapets. I've got a ragtag group of ex-slaves and farmers. How are we going to? Oh, oh, oh. I'll tell you what God says. I'm going to give you something to be able to knock those walls down in Jericho. Oh, I'm ready. What is it? The other word of God. But what if, what if I get discouraged? Yeah, the word of God. I'm going to give you the word of God. Terrified with what's the word of God. Lonely, word of God. Grieving, word of God. You know these people, Lord. They argue, they complain, they whine about everything constantly. And then all of a sudden, they're going to start attacking me. It's going to be personal attacks, Lord. Ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh. Forgot about that. I'm going to give you the word of God. I'll give you the word of God. All you're going to need is the word. Moses didn't have it. Moses was writing it while he was going through all this journey. But now what he has written, that word of God, it's yours. And it's all you need to take over the promised land. I don't know about that. I'd like a little bit more. I heard uh, one person give a little acrostic about the Bible. It's uh, basic instructions before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions. And I always, I read that kind of stuff and go, you know, geesh. I, I, the, cynic, the cynic in me just comes up. That's good for a coffee cup maybe. But. And then as I think about that, you know, that's, that's a pretty good definition of God's word. Basic instructions. And I'm going, <laughs> I'm beyond that pastor, and, you know, I've been a student of the Bible forever. I'm, and then every now and again, God just says, well, here, let's just do an inventory with you. Because I give you the best possible way to live in the Bible. And here's what, here, here's what I want to direct this message to today. With Alpha, it deals with people who have yet come to faith and people who are, are, are struggling with some things. And there may be some of you like that today. And stay with Alpha. Alpha Alpha's comes through with, with this beautiful description of what the Bible's all about and how it's put together. But here's what I really want to address this to today. We who call ourselves believers, we who call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ, but we live as practical atheists. That we live this whole Christian life, but we never dig in to the word of God. And we complain when it feels like God's not leading us and guiding us. And he's going, I've got something for you. I've got some basic instructions before, before you leave this earth. That if you'll follow them, it'll be the best possible life to live. And I go, God, I, I, here's, 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 here's God's inventory with me. Don, how you doing with that thing called joy? You go, I know you're happy some of the time. Every now and again. If circumstances are going well, if happenstances go well, makes me happy. It even makes me happy when 
Kansas loses and I get to look at Cameron in the face. I, I got happy moments like that. <laughs> it, it's a lot of dark joy that I have, Lord, actually. It's a lot of dark joy, but it, it's there. What about when things don't go your way? What about when things aren't happening the way you want it to happen? What about when, when circumstances turn different on you? Is there this, is there this inner joy that just continues to keep you going and fueling and buying. And I just start grumbling. No, I'm not sure I got that yet. Well, how about contentment, Don? How about contentment? You know, no matter what, plenty or in want, as the Apostle Paul says, you have this contentment. Even if life never gives you another thing, even if life takes away some of the things you have, are you still content? Can you still be content? Can you still be at peace? Well, uh, I'm always, I'm okay until like I go on Facebook and then I look with other people and where they're going and what they're doing and then you hear about so-and-so and how they're achieving this and they're gaining that. I'm okay when I get to a certain level and I have a moment of contentment, but then there's always another level I want to go to. God, no, I'm not, yeah, I'm not doing well. Well, how about your marriage? Been married 44 years. What are you talking about, God? Well, do you treat her like I want you to treat her? And like, you know, like a like she's a daughter of the king and you honor her and she's precious to you. Well, frankly, God, she tells me I have some work to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Hmm. How about finances? God, you're meddling now. How about finances? What? Do they own you or you own them? Have you, have you come to the point where you, you know what, a, being a steward of all God has for you? Have you, have you found out the joy that comes in generosity? Or is it all everything you own and you hold tightly? Well, God, let me get just a little bit more and I'll deal with that. How about anger? Are you still angry at people that have hurt you in the past? And it's been so long ago, but that anger is fresh. It just triggers and comes up again and again because you don't know what to do with it. Have you solved that puzzle yet? Hmm. Forgiveness? Well, I think, yeah, I think, well, what about guilt and shame? Guilt is for what you do. Shame is this, tells you this is who you are now. Frankly, Lord, I come to the later years of my life, and I've got some regrets. Sometimes when it's time to worship, I can't let go and worship God because I've got, I've got this shame or regrets for choices I've made or things I've done. Hmm. How about your children? All grown up, not a problem anymore. <laughs> what, do you have grandchildren? Yeah, yeah. You know they bear your name? They bear the legacy of the family? How's that relationship? Are you able to mold them and shape them along with their, their folks? And 
show them what a godly grandparent is like? Well, sometimes they get on my nerves, Lord, but I try. I'm good for about an hour with them. How about freedom? Just freedom. Freedom from not being boxed into what you have, what you're accomplishing, what you've done, and what you're doing. But just knowing that you're valuable. Valuable in the sight of God simply because of whose you are. You're his. You belong to him. And you can live with freedom from all the shackles that our culture and our world put on you. Ah, God, ways to go, God. It's like God reminds me, maybe you ought to go to this thing called basic instructions before leaving earth. Because I want for you the best possible way of living. And it's here. It's in there. Joshua, you don't need a wow factor. You just need the word. So how Moses planted that, he left it that way. Moses wrote these things the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, with the understanding this is going to be your, your traveling papers into the promised land. And back in, in Deuteronomy, um, there's a thing called the Shema in the sixth chapter. We've talked about that before. Matt's talked about that in church before, which means hear, hear, O Israel. Not only listen, but absorb and, and bring into your life and bring it into Absorb this, live this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. The Lord is your God. And when you get to that Shema, the, the, the preamble to that whole thing in, in the first few verses of, of Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, says this. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. This is Moses talking. So that your children and their children after them and their children after them, the, the Lord your God will be revered by them for as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, be careful to obey so that it may go with you, that you may be increasingly great in land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised. Don't veer, he tells Joshua, to the left or the right of Moses. Here's, here's the walking papers that you and, your, and generations after you will follow. Long life, prosperous life, successful life. By the word of God, it's the best possible way of living. And then you get to the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then listen to these. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Put the word of God and carry it in your heart. Take it with you everywhere you go. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's just not a Bible study thing only. Carry it in your heart. Impress it on your children. Talk to your children about it. 
Uh, if you have kids and you're on your way home from church, hey, what would you guys learn today? If every Sunday they go, nothing, then just say this. We're going to go see Don, and we're going to go fire your, your teacher. <laughs> Something's not going on right. Impress, talk about the Word of God. Talk about with one another. Impress on your children. All the teachings of, of the Bible are not Sarah and Chip's job in the youth group only or all our wonderful children's pastors, it's you. Impress on them. Impress on them something more than if they start at six years old being in a travel soccer club or baseball club or basketball club that they might get in age 18 a college scholarship. There might be, boy, that got quiet. There might be something more important. I hope they get college scholarships. I hope, I'm, my kids are all into sports. But more than that, as parents, as grandparents, do you know the word of God? Because what I want for my kids and my grandkids is the best possible way of living. Put it on your doorpost. Shema. So when you come home and you walk through the doors, the Lord is our God. The Lord is your God. He's one God. And I'm going to treat her like a daughter of the king. I'm going to walk through those doors and Shema is on the doorpost that's going to remind me. I'm going to treat him like a child of God. I'm going to treat those little children like children of God. Shema, put it on your doorpost. Every time you walk out, walk out the gates, it's God. I'm going into the world. I know I'm in the world, but I don't want to be of the world. Help me to stand up for you and to, and to reflect you, to make a difference for you. Give me wisdom, give me guidance. Write them on the doorposts. When God, uh, when God says to Joshua, I'm giving you the word of God, I wonder if he gave Joshua a choice. All the wild things or the word of God? What if he gave you that choice? You get the wow things or the word of God. Our heart has a tendency, we want the wow. But the wow fades and the word continues on forever. And it's the word that makes all the difference as he leads us and guides us. I want to just uh, have you skip over with me to the Psalms. Psalm 119, the Psalms is the, is the largest book in the Bible, and the 119th psalm, or chapter of Psalm is, is the longest chapter in the Bible. There's 176 verses in it. Let's read them. No. <laughs> Here's one of my favorites. In, in verse 103. And, and of, of the 176, 171 talk about the Word of God. Talk about the, the apex of what, what God's Word's all about. How sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I mean, I just stop and read that and go, oh, God. I, I long for that desire for your Word, that I would actually look at it as honey. That'd be sweet to my mouth. Not something I want to avoid or that bores me. 
confuses me. Give me that desire. Give me that passion. He says, I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. And then he says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word. Your word. A lamp. First, I thought that was kind of a redundant way of saying things, but when you look at it, a lamp to my feet. A lamp is, gives just enough light to take the next step or two. It's immediate. It's now. Um, several years ago, a number of years ago, I had a, had a uh, spinal cord injury, and since then, my legs are really weak, and I have li very little feeling in my feet. And you put me on a dark path or in a dark room where it's pitch black, I'm going down in a heap real quick. I can't feel it. And, and I have found this most wonderful thing about a, a cell phone is it has a flashlight. It's even better than texting. And when it gets dark, I turn that thing on because there's no way I'm going to be able to walk. I, every little bump in the road, every little uneven thing, I, I, I can't handle it. I can at least see it where our step is. What are the things about to trip you up? What are the things you're going through now? that make it slippery? What, what are the dangers out there that you might fall into? His word comes as a lamp to illuminate the path, to give you the ability to get through them. Your marriage struggling, here's a lamp to, to the struggles that you're dealing with called the word of God. Your, your financial condition struggling, you're, you're, you're struggling with your sexuality, you have anger, you have grudges, you have betrayals, you, you're trying to deal with all this stuff, a lamp, it, it may not illuminate the path all the way down. It may not tell you what's five years, but right now, here's how you deal with it. Here's where you walk. You find it in the word of God. It's the best possible way of living, the best possible way of dealing with these things as he guides us and he leads us. And then he says, there is a light, a light to the path. It's out there. So that the long term, where you're wanting to go, where you think you want to go, it's lit up for you through the word of God. Before Jesus, I had a path. I had several paths. I thought I knew what my life was all about, where it was going, what I was going to do, what it was going to look like, how much money I wanted to make, where I wanted to live. When I found Jesus, I found that he started to change my heart. And nothing wrong necessarily with the path I was going on, but all of a sudden another path lit up. It was illuminated. And I started to walk that path path of my purpose, the path of my calling, the path of my answering what God has for me. A lamp to my feet, a light to my path. He leads us and guides us that way. One last verse of scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, the, the most significant verse of scripture perhaps in all the New Testament about, about the Bible. Verse 16, 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As you go through the Old Testament, it's not complete yet for, for Joshua. Snippet, even in the psalm, it's not complete yet. You get to the end of the New Testament, Timothy's saying, let me just tell you, all that scripture, God breathed, all that inspired, and it's useful. It will teach you, it will guide you, it will lead you, it will equip you 
for the best possible way of living. So here's my challenge. Three Ps. Pray. Pray that God gives you the desire to get into God's Word. No more of this practical atheism. If you're a believer, if you're a follower after Christ, find out what God says, what he has for you. Recognize that an abundant life comes as a gift with your relationship with Jesus, but it's fleshed out as you start to understand his heart and his plan and his purpose. God, give me the desire to dig into your word. Practice, put it into practice. Have a Bible by your bed or, or your device where you can read it. Everything, every time, first thing in the morning or last thing at night, or if you're really a fanatic, both. Open it up and read it. Just enough to get you going on the way. Oh, I don't read much. I'm just not a reader. No excuse anymore because you can get an app. You can get that on your device and it'll be read to you. You can read it on the way to work as you commute. You can read it while you're, or you can listen to it while you're working out. Practice it. Here's what I found out about, about this whole Bible thing. Time with God. There's, there's discipline, there's desire, and then there's delight. You discipline yourself to do what God is asking you to do. and call. It, your, your desire comes after that discipline by doing the right thing, and then it ends up in delight. Before You don't just jump right to the, hey, it tastes like honey, this is so sweet. Sometimes it takes discipline to get there. I'm going to practice, I'm going to put it to practice. Think of it like you're working out, you who work out. There are days you don't feel like working out. There are days you'd rather do anything else in the world than work out. It's cloudy, it's rainy, it's sunny, it's hot. But you just, you're disciplined to do it. After a while, you start to have the desire to do it. I don't care what the weather's like. I, I just want to do this. I, I like it. It's part of my life. It's my desire. And then every now and again, it gets to delight. This runner's high, if you will. The endorphins kick in, and it's sweet. And if you're not doing it, you feel worse after not working out, or because you're not working out than you do after working out. Same way with the Bible. Discipline yourself. It leads to desire. It leads to delight. And the last thing is to share it. Put it, put it out there to share with others. Share it with your children. Share it with your family. Join a community group. Come on Alpha on Wednesday nights. Men's group, women's group, Bible studies. Talk about it. As you talk about it with one another, it starts to take root. When we ask this question, God, how do you reveal yourself? Why don't you talk to me? When are you going to talk to me? He says this, well, I already have. Right there. I've already spoken to you. And I would I'd make this promise. If you dig yourself into that word, He'll speak personally to you. Jesus is the living word that takes it and applies it. So the prayer for this week is this. Father, if you're near, please speak to me through your word. I'm listening for you to lead and to guide. Lead me and guide me into the best possible way of living. Amen. Amen.